Welcome to the Mama Matters podcast. Whether you're expecting, you've recently given birth, or you're just starting along your fertility journey, it's time to get down to the nitty gritty and sort fact from fiction. I'm your host, Rosie Dumbrell, physiotherapist and pregnancy expert. Mama Matters aims to provide an easily digestible, up-to-date and evidence-based approach to pregnancy, birth and motherhood with a side dose of humour along the way. Interviews from the industry's leading experts and experience of my own adventures as a mother to three gorgeous boys under four. I want to share the stuff that helps to grow confidence throughout motherhood. Mama Matters is a podcast by Lenny Rose Active and this is what you can expect to hear in upcoming episodes. There isn't any advantage to coach pushing. That's what the evidence is telling us. So if there's no benefit to the mother and baby, what um, the general consensus is, is let the mother do what feels right <laughs> and and trust that um, that yeah the instinctive process to yeah to occur. Hi ladies, welcome back. Welcome to episode fifty three. Today we are talking uh, on a really interesting topic and something I'm really really passionate about, and it is physiological versus coached pushing in childbirth. So we obviously will go into it in a little bit more detail. It might be something that you haven't really heard of or are unfamiliar with, but I have the pleasure of interviewing uh, Rosie Fitzclarence, who we've had on the podcast before. She's a beautiful midwife, RN, and hypnobirth childbirth educator, and uh, just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to everything birth. <laughs> um, Rosie runs a business called Geelong Born, uh, which helps support women through pregnancy, childbirth and postpartum located in Geelong in uh, Melbourne or Greater Melbourne, uh, but also has a lot of online services as well. So I'll make sure you find out where to reach out to her at the end of the episode. She has been a hypnobirthing practitioner for me. Uh, I had her um, do some coaching on that for me during my third uh, pregnancy and fourth time around I feel like I'm a little bit of an old pro after having had three hypnobirths. <laughs> so I haven't uh, employed you know any specific sort of um, one-on-one coaching or anything like that but um, she was really really instrumental in helping me to still have a beautiful outcome in a third birth that ended up being less than sort of the ideal plan. It didn't quite go to plan, but I still ended up having a beautiful, beautiful hypnobirth. And um, I really credit Rosie to helping coach uh, me on that with my mindset and um, just generally the hypnobirthing philosophy. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that today, but um, we are here to talk about physiological versus coach pushing. And uh, without further ado, I bring on the lovely Rosie Fitzclarence. Hi, Rosie. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks, Rosie. Good to see you. Speak to you. Like, is there an echo in the room? <laughs> <laughs> There's not that many of us, so when we do chat, I feel a bit awkward to say hi to another person. <laughs> oh, it's all good. And um, we, like, you know, start the interview after chatting for, like, half an hour on <laughs> birth and mum life. <laughs> so true. Yeah, I know. Uh, but you're yeah. <laughs> you're joining us today to chat about uh, birth and in particular physiological versus coached pushing and it's something that I'm really passionate about and I'm sure you are too as a midwife and a hypnobirthing uh, practitioner. 
Um, and I found this little like snippet. Um, I'll have to come back and figure out where I got it from. But um, the, the the words go that a physiological pushing in labour is traditionally the onset of the second stage of labour has been defined as the time of complete cervical dilation, regardless of how a woman feels. Ideally, however, this is dependent upon the woman's anatomic, physiologic and emotional readiness to give birth and is signaled by the urge to bear down. So can you explain uh, physical, sorry, physiological pushing in, um, I guess, just more lay terms and how this relates to how a woman might be coached or directed to push in the birthing room versus just going with her physiological urges? Yeah, absolutely. So I see physiological uh, pushing as really uh, when the mother is being led by a body and baby. So as labour progresses uh, to that advanced stage, often all that energy (laughs) moves lower and lower down, (laughs) right down towards her bowel and that pressure builds. And as baby's head really does descend down to the pelvic floor. It uh, triggers a natural expulsive reflex. And this is very much a very strong, powerful, spontaneous urge that um, comes from her own internal reflexes. It's just uh, that signal that happens automatically and in a very very involuntary way. So uh, often a mother will uh, feel this happening um, without even knowing what to do. It just is a process that takes over (laughs) and uh, she finds herself bearing down. I really love the term bearing down because uh, this this is quite individual. Some women feel quite pushy in the way that they hold their breath, uh, but other mothers are sort of more able to, to, you know, continue that breath down behind their baby. But it is a very much, uh, it's very highly instinctive. Uh, it's something that is just uh, automatic reflex. Uh, sometimes it's referred to as that fetal ejection reflex. Uh, but, yeah, it just overwhelms and overcomes that mother when the time is right and this often occurs through just that uh very low that descent of baby as as baby comes down so pretty amazing pretty cool Hmm. yeah it it is and I can 100% like relate (laughs) to the you know it it just it's an overwhelming sensation that has happened for Hmm. me on all three of my births so far that's right Um, yeah and it's it's like you don't really need to do anything. The body just kind of does it. Exactly <laughs> it just takes right. over. Yeah. Which, you know, I think um, obviously that's not going to happen for every woman in every situation because um, at times we take different paths to how our births mm-hmm. unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but uh, what we see in the media and if you watch birth on TV, it'll Absolutely. be like a woman on the bed, feet up in stirrups, and then, you know, someone's coaching her to push, like push now, push now. So I wanted to like get your, I guess, um, you know, what's when would coach pushing, for example, of that nature, when is that appropriate? Um, Because if we're just listening to a woman's instincts um, and she's gotten to that stage without needing intervention, Mm. um, yeah, when would coach pushing be more appropriate or or when, when do you use it? Yeah, we know that for mothers uh, 
in the absence of medical special circumstances that usually, yeah, absolutely spontaneous pushing is the way to go. You're being led by your body and baby. But there is some situations where a mother may benefit from um, some, some guidance with how to direct the energy down behind her baby. And firstly, um, that sort of coach or director pushing um, would come from often the, the care provider, so the doctor or the midwife who is present with the mother. And um, a big reason for this is, is an example of heavy pain relief, so something like an epidural. <laughs> uh, that is a, a big factor. That is, um, yeah, probably the number one reason why a mother may need that. Uh, in most situations where a mother has sensations and aware of these feelings that, yeah, this comes from within, but, you know, another situation may be that um, just I suppose I see this in my work experience in hospitals uh, that there are thresholds sometimes placed. There are sort of restrictions upon mothers and maybe this is coming more from the care provider and the knowledge around uh, the these imposed limits uh, that there's a thought that potentially uh, some coaching <laughs> might in fact speed up the second stage. However, <laughs> that's not always the case. <laughs> uh, so uh, when we break it down and look at the, the evidence, uh, that's, uh, yeah, it's not reliable actually. Yeah, coach pushing doesn't necessarily <laughs> uh, uh, speed up the second stage if in fact no create further problems uh, if this is this is encouraged so yeah it's yeah, quite, I mean, quite interesting mm. I can imagine being coached to push before you're ready that's mm. not necessarily going to really help um get the baby out no yeah <laughs> you know it's very disempowering for a mother she if someone tells her to um to do something you know uh taking away from uh those internal signals, then then that can be yeah hugely um, yeah um, yeah that power is is stripped from her and she loses that belief and trust with within the the physical process. So it can be quite disheartening. So I do encourage mothers to follow the lead of their body, um, but in some situations, uh, and these are actually quite rare. Yeah, um, that. Yeah, just the body simply knows what to do. Sometimes we just need to be patient for baby to move that little bit further down so mother um, continue on. But um, I suppose the the one that can can uh, just alter things significantly is the epidural. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that absolutely makes sense um, and it seems um, a completely fair thing to um, and, and potentially very, very helpful if you've had an epidural to have someone to yeah. assist yeah. you if the sensation, you know, you're not going to potentially feel that natural expulsive yeah. reflex. So that makes complete sense to me and I'm sure that is helpful for a lot of women. Yeah. Um, but some would argue that directed pushing has, as you've just mentioned, um, does have de de detrimental yeah. effects to a woman's spiritual and emotional well-being. And um, whereas that physiological pushing allows the birthing woman to be in touch with her body and her oh. baby for a powerful birth experience. And, you know, this in turn overlays into her confidence 
in birth and in motherhood. And so, you know, I think it's something that we want to make women aware of in the sort of absence of complications and in a normal, uh, I'm not going to, I don't like Mm. the term normal with birth, in a a physiological birth. I mean, um, I think there's no normal birth these days, but if we're talking about a physiological birth where the process is unfolding without um, uh, additional intervention um, that, you know, allowing her to really connect with the sensations in her body and not having all this extraneous external information coming in yes. is really going to empower her. Mm. And it does. I, I often reflect back to my first first birth and I think mothers uh, having their first baby will probably <laughs> understand that this physiological pushing maybe a little bit more so because uh, the first time you birth your baby it's it often does require a certain level of effort yeah, coming from the mother <laughs> we, keep, we simply just I believe, yeah. Uh, <laughs> allow the breath to come down behind our baby, of course. But we are working hard, and there is so much power, and there's, yeah, it's, it's huge. And I remember feeling this through the second stage of my first, and then achieving <laughs> you know, the job done with my baby in my arms, and that feeling of wow. What I just did was enormous. That was epic. I am so proud of what I've just achieved. My body and baby have done that together. And it does. That feeling continued for days, if not weeks, months ahead, um, feeling so uh, I can I can move mountains. Like it, it really is. It's um, incredible strength that we have as women. And it's it's it really is. Uh, yeah, it is a gift when we are able to birth in such a way. It is uh, something that um, has probably led me down the path of, uh, you know, childbirth education a little bit more so because of this experience. But, um, yeah, I just I, I really do believe that this time is um, it really does drive us down this this path of empowerment and uh, confidence in our mothering journey as well. It's not just one day. It's um, it really does flow on for, for absolutely a long time ahead. Absolutely, mm. and um, you know it's a big reason why I'm so passionate about getting as much information out about um, birth and about. Um, yeah, definitely about birth in particular, but obviously it's mm. one, of the, one of the topics that um, I like to educate on, but, um, you know, to get people such as yourself on to share their brilliant wealth of knowledge on um, because, you know, sadly it's not a lot, of, you know, perhaps not the majority of women have this experience in birth um, when potentially it is available to them should they, you know, listen to podcasts like this and hear of positive experiences. And it's taken me a long time to be sort of comfortable talking about a positive birth experience because I feel like the majority of women, um, you know, don't necessarily have that great story. Uh, A lot of Mm. women don't. um, But I really want to get it out there that it's possible. (laughs) Um, And if if, if you've had, um, I'm I'm sure you've experienced women who have, perhaps had a really crap time in their first birth um, uh, and then, you know, then gone on to educate themselves through hypnobirthing or through yeah. other, other sort of avenues of childbirth education and come out with a really powerful, you know, second or third experience um, yes. not wanting to repeat yeah. that first or, you know. Just That's right. Completely That's right. Yeah. 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 
Hmm. And I just, um, I remember um, being very lucky to be sort of having had uh, sort of some experience with hypnobirthing for my first um, and then sort of taking it a lot more seriously in the second and third. Um, mm. But I just remember being arriving in hospital seven minutes before my second son was born, <laughs> hypnobirthed at home, race car driver husband had uh, left <laughs> the very last minute, 100 kilometres an hour down St Kilda Road through the city to get to hospital. Yes. And I arrived in transition in the elevator and, um, and the midwife, and I was like, you know, that expulsive, expulsive reflex had is, started. Yeah. I'm on the bed on all fours, and they're they're telling me to push, and I'm like, no, I'm in between, I'm in between pushes right now, and I just yes. actually just yeah. closed my ears off to the, the well-meaning yeah. midwives, but I was like, that's it, and I've that's what push. Yeah. My body's resting, and it was me just yeah. really like taking my power and listening to what my body is. Mm. Like, oh, now is not the moment to push. It'll probably be in twenty seconds or thirty seconds. But um, right. I just literally closed my ears off them, to them, and in my in my head said. That's right. Yeah. That's such a, I'm so glad. Uh, And that is absolutely right. That sometimes this, you know, the midwife, doctor, director pushing is, it's meant to, you know, well-meaning, yeah, to help the mother, of course. But um, sometimes it's not always, um, yeah, a benefit. So that's where a mother can (laughs) make that decision for herself and say, no, that's not useful for me right now. Dismiss that, just like what you did. (laughs) Or even partner. And I love to educate partners on on their role. They can advocate as well for, (laughs) you know, mum, baby, birth preferences and say, hey, we've got it. (laughs) Thanks for your information. We're just going to let it happen in its own own time. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> anyway, well done. I'm not, I'm yeah. not recommending that everyone use the advice of their healthcare provider. But you knew. But, but you I knew. Do, yeah. 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 And I yeah. think that's one thing that we really can um, just harness so much more as birthing mothers, yeah. like our own instincts and our own. And that's intuition. exactly right. Oh, it's yep. so powerful. And if yeah. that instinct is that, okay, you know, something's not right and I do need yeah. some help here, like it might be in completely in the other direction, but just really mm. trusting trusting that the, the signals from your body and your baby are going to give you what you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what I really love. And I um, look, I... Uh, when, when I teach a Hemobirthing Australia program, I just feel so passionately with this. Um, we refer to this sort of physiological bushing as the breathing bearing down. So it's a it's a style of breathing that is directed by the mother's instinct. So it's, it's not so much something you have to think about in your mind over and over. And you know, it's a it's a mental process. We just fully let let it go <laughs> and let that process come from within. So I, I do believe that um, a mother, her body will tell her what to do. Yeah. yeah. And it is a very much an instinctive way of pushing, if you will, if yeah, you can call it pushing, yeah, call it bearing down, whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. And then even the yeah. term pushing, right? Like I, I know because as as obviously um if you if listeners have sort of been following along the journey for a while, you know that I'm a big fan of hypnobirthing. Um yeah. and when you get to that bearing down phase, it is um they do talk more about um breathing your baby down. And some of the practice exercises are actually mm. um when you uh, perhaps leading into birth, like when you're defecating or doing it. <laughs> to, um, to oh. just practice like um, 
like a it's it's not a pushing it's actually like a relaxation of the pelvic yeah. just letting it happen with a yeah. soft breath and so it actually to me like I don't know I, even the word pushing I'm like I, I don't feel like I actually have needed to push to have a baby yeah yeah it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I fully believe that. Yeah, absolutely. But that's the thing. Every woman's different and everyone's got their own unique, you know, sort of style, really, you know. Uh, we know um, that some women, uh, when they fully in baby's heads low, that they actually feel like they need to give a bit of extra effort and they sort of might even just close off their mouth a little bit to direct that energy down. But um, we know that the uterus, <laughs> this expulsive reflex is very strong. And all we need to do is just facilitate that with the breath. So we just continue to breathe down behind our baby. So it's um, it's pretty amazing. And, and that's quite eye-opening. Um, and sometimes you know, there's the odd eye roll <laughs> from care providers or just parents that can't possibly believe that a mother could breathe a baby out. But it's the truth, you know, it's just the, the body can do this job very well and um, we just need to soften, as you said, and let that process happen. And the uterus, yeah, and baby, yeah, process unfolds. So, mm. yeah. I mean, it's, from um, a mechanical perspective, like the uterus is doing the contracting and to let the baby yeah. come out, the pelvic yeah. floor, if, it, if the pelvic floor yeah. contracts, it actually mm. is lifting and closing. Yeah. And so, yes. yeah. we, you know, when we think about pushing, we will often be like clenching our buttocks and perhaps like squeezing mm. our pelvic floor. Mm. And that's potentially what might happen. Whereas if we're relaxing the pelvic floor, and just letting letting yeah. nature do its course, and I definitely think that practicing like the poo, <laughs> practicing oh, relax, especially when you're a bit constipated, which happens to like it's a really great opportunity to be like, okay, instead of like pushing, um, what happens if I just like relax? And mm-hmm. that, you know, that to me, again, I, I haven't probably done a full dive into the research on that, but um, we know that you know. A lot of the a lot of the prenatal education that I've done is that we do want to learn to relax our pelvic floor yeah. because it will actually allow for the passage of baby, yeah. and that when we're clenching or our pelvic floor doesn't know how to relax or it's overactive, yeah. then it that inhibits natural, the process. Inhibits yeah. The process. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, so, what does the research say about coached pushing and the outcomes in terms of speed of delivery, the incidence of perineal uh, perineal trauma, etc. Do we know um, if that you know, what, what the research says around that yeah. versus just the allowing a woman to spontaneously deliver? Yeah. So look, um, the the evidence historically, there's been, I suppose, a low quality evidence really around the uh, some of this evaluation between coach versus physiological. But I suppose. Uh, we kind of know is that uh, of course mothers are much more satisfied when they can follow the lead uh, of their body so that yeah physiological pushing occurs but there's absolutely some some evidence that's uh, um, emerging and we're um, we're seeing this more so with regard to uh, sort of the, the physical yeah, um, benefits for a mother in allowing uh, physiological uh, pushing to occur. And uh, 
what we know is that there, there may be some um, reduction in the perineal tearing rates uh, with physiological pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that there is no increase uh, or sh- uh, shortening, I should say, of the second stage with coach pushing. So that's good. <laughs> we can just let, let our body lead. Uh, but um, I suppose um, there isn't any advantage uh, to coach pushing. That's what the evidence is telling us. So if there's no benefit to the mother and baby, what um, the general consensus is, is let the mother do what feels right <laughs> and, and trust that, um, that, yeah, the instinctive process to, yeah, to occur. So the results are a little uh, weak, I suppose, in regard to uh, what we know about uh, differences with length of second stage um, uh, in terms of um, perineal trauma, but uh, what we can see is there is improved uh, benefits uh, when a mother does lead the way, so that physiological pushing. So what we need is some more high-quality studies, really, (laughs) to fully evaluate this, Mm -hmm. but um, from a mother's perspective, satisfaction is far greater when this occurs naturally. but yeah, it is interesting. Uh, it's it is uh, really just something we'll we'll need to evaluate in the future. But it does appear that uh, there are benefits when this this does occur naturally. So physiological. Sorry, I'm not explaining this very well. But That's yeah, okay. yeah, I think we've got the yeah. gist of it. But what, what, yeah. what about um? So what about for an epidural dual birth? Um, is there some positive evidence for yeah. having some directed coaching? Um, absolutely in absolutely yeah 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 and look um look I, in no ways am i anti-epidural there are some situations where yeah an epidural's yeah a great decision for you know mum and baby but um we know with an epidural it's um it can significantly inhibit yeah the second stage uh pushing yeah so a mother will um have usually good, very good pain relief uh, with an epidural. But the downside of the epidural is that it takes away those natural urges to bear down. Uh, so a mother is very likely to need some form of uh, guidance, direction with how to birth her baby. So um, it's, it's very common and it's often very needed that a mother will need uh, some so, and it just, yeah, it doesn't need to be what we see in the movies. No. What we see in the movies is incorrect. Dismiss everything we see there. I but hope we can uh, do that. Yeah. I really want yeah. to dismiss it's that. Rubbish. <laughs> it's rubbish. rubbish. Yeah. Especially first time moms. Yeah. yeah. Don't watch, uh, don't watch, um, don't, yeah, don't watch birth you know yeah hollywood birth hollywood (laughs) awful Um, but uh a mother can still use uh, a deep sort of bearing down breath behind her baby with an epidural but the reality is she's she's not going to have those strong signals uh there she's just going to need a little bit of extra guidance so often this comes from you know a um a midwife or a doctor to even help palpate yeah because you might not be even aware of when that surge that contraction is building to so for her to it is a little bit more of a 
intake your breath up through the nose and directing that energy down. But um, we know that the epidural can can get in the the way of uh, this process. But, um, yeah, just a midwife can feel like palpate sort of externally when there's a hardening or when they they have um, ECG, is ECG monitoring? Um, Yeah, the CTG. Yeah. Yeah. CTG monitoring um, as well, which might help with when a surge is happening, contractions happening and and to time it with that. Yeah. So it is really that... um, yeah, mothers with an epidural will likely need a little bit of guidance and so to take that big breath in and then direct all that energy down behind her baby. Often I say to mums with a, uh, with an epidural, um, some of them have, you know, great sensations still. They might feel that um, surge or contraction. They might feel the pressure building and, and feel exactly where, where all that um, uh, energy needs to go to. They might even feel baby's head advance, but some it's... Um, a little bit altered or disconnected from from the nature of the epidural mirrors. I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, but most birth units will actually have a small mirror that can be used, and I find that is a really great way for a mother to to connect with this sensation and moving a baby down. Um, and just that, that, you know, great support from um, midwife, the doctor, her partner, even being creative with some positioning with an epidural can absolutely be done. So it could be done with the bed mechanics. Uh, so actually, you know, using gravity still with the bed, it could be just opening up the pelvic space, a mother sort of, um, yeah, making room for a baby that way. But, um, yeah, we know that, yeah, can still absolutely a mother can birth her baby with an epidural, no worries. But sometimes, yeah, we do know from evidence that a mother is more likely to need some assistance, yeah, if her epidural is present, especially with her first baby. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's good to know, like, you know, I guess I just want women to understand, like, you know, um, when it might be appropriate and when it might not be. So that they can again take control of Mm, (laughs) their experience and be like, definitely. I don't need you to tell me right now. Or yes, no, I actually could you assist me? Like, is it yeah. time or yeah. So For sure. Really yeah. Um, and you know, the other on epidurals a walking epidural, yeah. I believe um, is something that's used a little bit now um, where there's. I've had zero experience with, really? a, with a walking epidural. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I Look, I, yeah. My understanding is they're a little bit more uh, widely used in other countries, but um, never have I seen it in practice in, Victoria, yeah, this might have changed. I'm in slightly more regional than metro areas, but Mm -hmm. uh, we know that um, with the epidural, uh, the big one is that, yeah, mother is restricted to the bed. Meaning that women can um, with their provider because that will then, um, you know, the one advantage then is you've got pain relief but still the capacity for great position. What I do see that's, um, yeah, become... It's been the norm um, in my practice for a little while and it's use, but um, uh, uh, in, in a lot of hospitals they use, a, it's a, called a patient-controlled epidural anaesthesia. So it's mm-hmm. a, a button that a mother has for her epidural. So when she first has the epidural administered, uh, the anaesthetist will give that first initial block, uh, the top up, sorry, that first bolus dose really to create this sort of area of numbness from from the the breast nipple region down to the the pelvis. It also does affect the leg movement as well. This is a little bit variable. 
that uh, a mother with a PCEA, patient controlled, uh, should be mother controlled or woman controlled really, but um, <laughs> with this button, uh, she can be in control of that level of block. So she wants to feel some, you know, greater sensations, you know, getting towards second stage, then she simply doesn't press it as much. Awesome. Or if she feels, oh, I've got a bit of that, yeah, discomfort building, I'm going to have a press and it, you know, will top up her block. So I do find that's a, a good method and satisfaction is really great there for mums with that button. Yeah. Feeling so, like they're in control. <laughs> that's all about that. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. you know, I'm all about um, just education. I think the more we know about birth and the more we educate ourselves um, on the different routes that things can take and perhaps what yeah. our Perhaps not necessarily, you know, I'm definitely not a fan of having like a rigid birth plan. I think um, mm. that can and sort of be our undoing, but just knowing uh, what our rights are, what our options are, what questions to ask, having a birth yeah. advocate. Um, I'm just so passionate about, you know, uh, or, you know, educating women in that way because the research shows that it's not how we birth a baby. So whether or not we end up with an emergency C-section or whether we have a beautiful physiological mm-hmm. vaginal delivery, um, it's actually whether a woman feels respected she felt like you know she was the the driver of her own birth that makes mm-hmm. a difference in how we mm-hmm. feel afterwards so mm-hmm. um I hope that from our discussions along the way in the podcast that women are getting that vibe um yeah. and you know I, 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 we're really not sort of um trying to be sort of too far pro or against anything, um, but to educate you on, on how to choose your own path. Um, yes, that's right. And, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and then so what about um, finally, just to finish up, oh, <laughs> um, where, where do you sort of suggest that women go to if they want to, I guess, just find out more about trusting their body and, um, yeah. and you know, uh, tapping into the innate wisdom that is available to yeah. them if they, you know, educate and listen? Yeah, sure. Of course, I'm going to recommend a high quality childbirth education program. Such <laughs> but, as? Yeah, such as the Hypnobirthing Australia positive birth program. And delonborn.com.au. That's exactly right. But um, I, I'm, of course, I'm a huge believer advocate of childbirth education, not just for the mother, but her birth partner as well. So they can become uh, fully informed um, of what their options are and how to, yes, yeah, steer the best course themselves but um i um yeah i really hope um to i suppose bring confidence yeah to a mother and a partner so um once they've done some childbirth education they're yeah they're feeling prepared they've got that knowledge behind that um so they can let it happen yeah <laughs> there is uh i do do see great value in immersing yourself in positive birth stories and uh, tapping into um, ways where you can build a, a great mindset. Yeah, so it. I, I love podcasts. Yeah, I love birth stories. I love yeah. Um, any you know, even just if you know of a good girlfriend or you know a, a mate uh, that have had you know great birth experiences. Yeah, sit down, have a cuppa, hear about their own experiences as well. So, uh, do you hear a negative birth story? Yep. <laughs> Talk to the hand. Yeah, uh, try to dismiss any of that. Also, know that um, you know when it comes to this you know time of giving birth, the second stage is sort of pushing 
um, it's a, it's a, it's often a, a bit of a worry for mums. It's often a period of the, the labor and birth that often brings sort of heightened levels of anxiety. So, you know, there might be ways that you can, um, you know, look at strategies to building that confidence and awareness in your body. So often mothers, you know, um, will, you know, will try some, you know, breathing techniques in, in their, you know, their last weeks um, towards birth. So they'll practice uh, the breathing. It could be some meditation or some some hypno, like on the loo. It could be some perineal massage. Uh, it could also just be aware of little things like warm compression, which can be helpful in, um, you know, uh, reducing tearing in the second stage as well. So uh, just... Just knowing that um, the body is built to birth, I think, is the the number one. Like, remember that that we are beautifully designed. We uh, actually do this very well, <laughs> and um, birth can actually be very simple if we, um, yeah, sort of yeah, realize. Yeah, we we sometimes need to put a few things in in place, like choosing a great care provider that really aligns with our beliefs, choosing a great place of birth, whether it's a hospital or home. Um, but yeah, do, do your homework. Yeah. Got some options and yeah, choose the best path for you. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Yeah. Few things that come to mind. <laughs> oh, thank you, Rosie. I am a big fan oh. of, um, of sharing birth stories and Australian birth stories is a really great podcast to listen to and you can listen to um there's a couple of really positive birth stories on there that I know of my own um so if you search Rosie Dumbrell uh, a really great episode where I share my first two births um and they are really positive and you know I just think on like listening to other women's stories there's I guess just a time and a place and um I really like to hold space to listen to my friends birth stories regardless of whether they're positive or negative but when you're leading into your own birth um and you know it's a time to bolster and to just you know just buffer yourself from anything that might distract you or um I guess take you out of the mindset that you want to be in which Mm. is in a really positive Mm. space going into birth so so um Mm. yeah so I really um encourage us all as women to band together but to for you in your own birth prep just to sort of maybe um so I'd love to hear that story but could it be in a few weeks time or a bit later know, <laughs> you know, I'm here for you for a hug in it yeah. whatever but um but can we um go into the detail um perhaps yeah after I've had my own birth yeah. <laughs> wise words anyway very, very diplomatic yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh Perfect. Rosie yeah. thank you so much yeah. for jumping on and joining us um as thank always you thanks for having me <laughs> love our chats I, yes, <laughs> I can't wait to um to uh share my number four birth story i and, know i'm so I, excited uh, for you i still have my manual from our hypnobirthing yes. uh, course last time and i've been doing my hypnobirthing daily since about oh. 20 weeks you'll be proud you're of me, amazing so. yeah, i am <laughs> uh, thank you so much for everything that you're doing in this space and for sharing your wisdom and knowledge today and um oh. Yeah, we'll Thank catch you again on the podcast. Been a delight. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> thanks, Rosie. Well, thanks so much for joining, ladies. I'd love for you to join the conversation and especially 
uh, yeah, give your experience. I think um, the more we talk about these sorts of things and share our experiences, the more we can help other mamas going into childbirth, um, whether it's for the first or the you know upteenth time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd love to know what you think. Uh, definitely leave a comment. Um, definitely jump on our social media and uh, when you see this come up in the post and um We'd love to know what you think. So if you'd love to reach out to Rosie, her Instagram is at Geelongborn and her website is at geelongborn.com.au. And, uh, yeah, we'll be, um, I'm sure, calling upon her sooner rather than later to have back on the podcast. And as always, if you're loving what you're listening to, please give us a review, subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a shout out on your socials. We really just exist as a free service to help you to uh, move throughout your motherhood journey with confidence and ease. And the more we can get the good word out to uh, mamas, the better. So we'd really appreciate your support and look forward to chatting to you again in the next episode. Bye for now. This episode is brought to you by Lenny Rose Active, Australian-owned, three-times mum and physiotherapist-designed luxe active and technical wear for the pregnancy to motherhood journey. You can find us on lennyroseactive.com.au or on Instagram at Lenny Rose Active.